Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. And welcome back. This is Triple Play Tuesdays with your host Shane Moore. Brought to you by every Tuesday 365 sports casting where there is no off season. We come to you every Tuesday night at 7 o'clock Central to talk a bit about the state of Minnesota sports. We talk baseball, we talk wild, we talk wolves, we talk bikes. You can follow us on Twitter. At Triple Tuesdays. You can also email us. Triple Play Tuesdays at gmail.com. Much love for all of our listeners out there. Thank you for spending another Tuesday night with us. Remember, if you miss us on a Tuesday, that's okay. We got your back around here. We also release every episode on Spotify. You can find us there as well. Tell your friends about us. Tell your family about us. Tell strangers in the street about us. Just tell everybody. Doesn't matter who. Last week we talked quite a bit about uh, the wolves. We talked a bit about the wild. We started the show with a little baseball. And I want to start this show with a little baseball again. And here's the reason why. Last week, I took a stance against the players. Now, in case you weren't paying attention, I didn't say it's all the players' fault. The owners are to blame here, too, with everything that's going wrong in baseball today. So, with that said, this week, I will rip on the owners. And not just the owners, but really the owner of the game right now, the commish. Step one for baseball, find a new commissioner. The commissioner of the game, he's, he's supposed to watch over the game. And Mr. Manfred is doing a terrible job of that. Awful. Now, normally in, in radio and in shows like this, you, you want to stay away from those type of words. Words like, they suck, they're awful, no one likes you. And then, of course, all the swear words that are out there. And the reason behind that is, is you never know when you might cross paths or want an interview with somebody. You're never going to hear me come on here and, and say that one of the hometown guys suck, but uh, but I feel very confident that I never want to speak to this individual. Robert Manford sucks. It's out there, and I hope he hears it. You want to talk about needing someone to resign? You need that guy to resign. As the commissioner of baseball, 
you oversee the entire game. America's pastime. And it is definitely proving to be a pastime. Baseball's popularity has been falling apart for a long, long time now. We saw something similar happen in 1994 when there was a lockout. Baseball's response to that? Going to juice everybody up. We're going to have lots of home runs. We're going to break records. That way people get engaged again. Fans care again. Fans want to come out to the ballpark to watch our players. Yeah, I think as fans, I think we've gotten smarter from that point. We're not going to fall for some stunt like that. Now, here's my beef with my with the owners. Let's start there. Now, these owners are billionaires, right? Last week we talked about the players and how they make millions of dollars. Millions is nowhere near billions. Think about it like this: for you and I sitting at home, we look at millionaires and go, "Oh." Wow. What'd I do with all that? Now, millionaires, they sit at home and go, oh, wow, what would I do with all that? It's all the billionaires that they know. Just so you have some perspective. These billion-dollar owners who have franchises that continually grow in price. When was the last time you saw a team, you know, Forbes will come out with, like, the most, the uh, highest-valued teams and stuff. Normally it's the Cowboys, uh, you know, the, the Giants, the Yankees are up there, Boston's typically up there. But the, those numbers are always going up and up and up. Jerry Jones is only getting more and more rich. The owners don't care at all about the about the game, really. Sure, they're going to say they do, but it's all about the bottom line for them. Right? I think we talked a little bit about this last week in that, you know, you don't really have these baseball families anymore like you used to see where that's that's how they made their money the Griffins that's how they made their money before they sold the team they were a baseball family the twins were terrible and their revenue was super low that means they did not make much money that doesn't matter now anymore if you're an owner. It's just a giant investment. It's a huge investment for the hugely rich. And this isn't just baseball. This is all sports, right? We can look at it right here in town and see that with the owners that we have. Sure, Glenn Taylor's on his way out, but you know, Glenn, Glenn didn't make his money in basketball. Polads don't make all their money in baseball. The Wilfs. I mean, they're hardly even in Minnesota. 
So these owners are the ones that are just looking at the bottom line, and that is where I can get behind the players. And and whether they really mean it or not, that's another discussion, but, but they are setting the tone for future generations with this, with this uh, contract negotiation. They are, plain and simple. There's guys right now that are in high school that will get drafted the next few years that this is going to impact greatly. A lot of these things aren't going to impact Mike Trout a huge ton. But it's going to impact those next players, those guys that are coming up, those young players down in the Dominican and the developmental leagues. The star you might see down the road at the high school game, you go watch. The college guys, the college freshmen right now, got drafted out of high school and said, ah, I'm going to go to school and try, try to raise that draft stock a bit. That's who this is going to affect. And more importantly, again, it affects you and me, the fan. They don't care about that. As I mentioned, baseball's popularity has been going down the tube for a while. There's a lot of reasons for that. We're not going to get into all of those tonight. Over the course of probably the next year, yeah, I mean, we'll probably touch on the majority of them, especially the longer this lockout goes on. One of the big reasons baseball is losing its popularity is, quite honestly, it's boring to watch. That's coming from a ball guy. It is boring to watch Major League Baseball right now. Home runs last 10 seconds. Not even. It's boring to go watch strikeouts and home runs. As the great Crash Davis had said, Strikeouts are fascist. Yeah, it's cool to see somebody hit a ball into the bowl and get a free steak, but man, that's all we're trying to do? How boring. And now baseball's caving into some of these things. The electronic strike zone, we've talked about that enough already. But just came out that the players and owners have agreed to make the shift illegal. Why? I mean, honestly, why? If your name's Joey Gallo, and there is no one on the left side of the infield, you drop a bunt that way, pal. Listen, I know there's going to be sabermetric guys all over me for having this take. And Go ahead. Call me an old school. Call me a purist. Call me whatever you want. I'm sorry. But if you can drop down a bunt and hit 550 doing that, buddy, you're going to get paid. Okay? That is way more valuable to the team than the 40 home runs you hit. Go ahead, run some numbers, and try to argue me on that. 
if you want to watch fun baseball, you should be tuning into some college baseball right now because college baseball is on fire. I don't think it's ever had this big of popularity before, but it is excellent baseball. It's fun to watch. You still get some home runs. You still get some guys that are throwing absolute gas. But college hitters right now are starting to realize, hey, I can have a lot of success at this if I do the fundamentals. So much of baseball is just doing the fundamentals. And if you've ever played the game and have been through the practices of the continual pickoff drills, for example, the continual first and thirds, the forever rundowns, the throwdowns that catchers work on. I mean, some of the stuff is downright mind-numbing, and you can do it in your sleep. Well, there's a reason why. D1 batters that are bunched into the third base side right now are averaging over 500. Averaging. Not on base, not OPS, average. That's ridiculous. What guys that get the shift played on them need to realize and need to do is they need to learn how to hit. Well, yeah, but, you know, the pitcher then, what they decide to do is they just pitch everything inside. An inside-out a pitch. You don't have to do it every time. You don't have to go up there and bunt 30 at-bats in a row. You have to swing inside-out an entire game. But be an athlete and make it known that, hey, there's a possibility of this. And guess what? As soon as there's that little hint, a little doubt, and, oh, boy, you know, we really don't want them to push this one down the line. Guess what? They're going to move back. Professional hitters should be able to hit the ball all over the ballpark. I went, I went to a Twins game one time really early with my uncle. We went there to watch BP. And I watched uh, A.J. Przinsky, and my uncle had pointed him out to me and said, watch, watch his round here, what he does in BP. And A.J. methodically went through, and at first he just went the other way, just worked on going the other way. That alone would be great out of a lot of ball players in this game. Th then he worked on sack flies, just hitting sack flies. If it left the yard, great, but sack flies. And he pulled the ball, and he hit ground balls back up the middle. I mean, it was, it was downright impressive what he was able to do. Yeah, it was BP, but I'm pretty convinced there's guys right now that would struggle to hit the ball the other way in BP. Getting rid of the uh, the pitcher having to hit finally 
think we can all agree on that one. It was about time. That needed to happen. We couldn't continue on that route forever. I mean, it got to the point where, I mean, it was pointless. We got You got guys up there that have never been hitters in their lives, not even in high school. Just stop with it. It's, it's a different game now than what it was in 1950, and that's okay. The game is changing. It's evolving. What we need at the helm is we need a baseball guy to be running it. We need a baseball guy that, quite frankly, has got some cojones and can tell the owners when they're doing the game wrong, like they are right now. I don't understand how just jumping to the conclusion of, let's just take away games, regular season games then. How do you even get there? How is that the logical thing to do? How do you sit around until February 1st to decide if you're going to start talking or not about a season that you know is coming? It's not like it just came out of nowhere. You knew. So again, baseball is doing us all wrong, us fans. That's what it's about. That is what it is about. It is about the fans. That is what makes sports continue. Owners and players will tell you it's about them. It's about about the owners for putting that product on the field. They're taking all the risk. Yeah, well, you know what? You got the money to take the risk on. Players, you chose to play the game. You're the best in the world at it, and we love watching you. But if we don't watch you, you don't have a job. You don't make all that money. You're working like the rest of us. Unless you're a great athlete like a Bo Jackson or Dion, and you can play another sport. Happen to be one of the best in the world at that, too. Good for you. But most of you aren't. You tell me a guy like Tim Lincecum is going to go out and play quarterback? <laughs> I mean, there's limited guys right now in the major leagues that I can legitimately say could probably play at a high level, high enough level, to even be average or decent at another sport. Mike Trout. I guess, I mean, Stanton could play football maybe because he's just huge. Probably the same goes for Aaron Judge, although both of them are injured constantly. There just aren't... There aren't athletes like that anymore. Not as many. And, and to be fair, there haven't really been that many outside of, again, Bo, Dion. And those guys are super freaks, right? Let's talk about the wild. We have to. This is going to be painful. And it's going to be tough. Ever since the Canadian trip, it's been brutal. Oh, it's been brutal. It's time to hit the panic button. If you haven't already, hit it now. 
You got to flip it. Do whatever you need to do. Hit it now. You got it. The wheels are coming off. The brakes aren't working. At this point, all of us on the bandwagon, we're just rolling. We are just tearing down the road. We're along for the ride. And there are no promises that this thing won't crash and burn. They say the bigger, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Well, the Wild, uh, <laughs> they're not really a big team. They're kind of, well, they're on the smaller side, really. But they are, uh, they're falling like a sumo right now. It's, uh, it's shaking the earth. Well, I have two options at goalie every night. Last week, I, well, back-to-back weeks. I've been on the Kakinen train. I've been pulling for the guy. I came out and said two weeks ago, we should trade Calvary. Go out and find us a center. We don't need to help. Huh? Not with Kakinen in that. Well, Kakinen's starting to show his true colors. Similar to last year. Had a great start, then completely fell off at the end. And, uh, well, history may indeed repeat itself because we're starting to see the same thing this year. It's getting scary. It really doesn't matter who Dean picks right now either. I mean, it, it's it's an issue either way, the way both of them are playing right now. If I were Dean, I'd just flip, flip a coin. Know that whoever you put out in net that night's going to save about 80% of the shots that are thrown at the net. They're going to have bigger rebounds than a desperate guy to bar. It's just not good. Ladies and gentlemen, the the fasten your seatbelt sign has been turned back on, and uh, we are entering a free fall. This may have been turbulent before through the skies of Canada, but folks, this is no longer a drill. We're going to need Scully in the Hudson Bay. We're going to need Russell Crowe in a Coliseum. Are you not entered, Tank? Right now, I'm not. No. No, Russell, I am not. The only time I'm entertained is watching pretty soft. He's got 70 points on this season. Finally eclipsed Ovi. Two points ahead of Ovi. Big time for the kid. Am I worried about being brokenhearted? Yeah. Yes, I am. I've said it, I've said it several times that the Wild need to capitalize on this year. We're going to be a goalie short and a center away from hoisting Lord Stanley. At least it looks that way right now. But those are the two glaring faults of this wild team. Cal, we get ranked number one in the power rankings. One time. 
one flip in time and look what happens. God, should have never done that to us. Dean Everson right now is is probably the most fun coach to watch on any bench, sideline, dugout, anything, anywhere. They should make a Dean camp down at the X, down at St. Paul. That would be great because some of the uh, just the short moments that the camera does catch him, I mean, you see all the emotions on his face. He's talking to himself. He's saying words we can't say here on air, but I'll tell you off air if you want to chat more about it. It's comical. It makes me feel bad for the guy. But what's great is Dean is just doing what the rest of us sitting on our couch, kicking back in the lazy boy, throwing our feet up, are doing at home. He's just saying what we're all saying. What we all want to say, but maybe can't because the kids are around and you, you know, you promise the missus, uh, you know, you stop cussing in front of, in front of Johnny and Sally, but tell you what, all I got at home is a dog and a cat. I'm cussing just as much as Dean, probably more. This is the season they need to capitalize on. And and the biggest thing is they they got to start stopping the flipping puck. The Wild have given up 177 goals this year. Which if the, uh, the season ended today would be the most of any team that would currently be in the playoffs. Again, if the season ended today. And to be quite honest, it... it really won't be close. That that may be a reality going into the playoffs. And at this point, honestly, right now, we have fallen back into a position where last week I said, don't worry. Trust it. It's going to be fine. To now going, oh Lord, I hope we don't come crashing down too hard because if we hit too hard if the nose on that plane is too downward it's going to flip we're not going to make it off we're not going to make the playoffs I read in the paper today that it's a fragile time a fragile team I've never heard more in my life in sports about fatigue and mental instability than I have in, oh, I mean, probably the past two months. We heard it with the Wolves not long ago. We're hearing it with the Wild now coming out today and in La in, uh uh, two nights ago against Dallas and, and some of the pressers afterward there. Maybe we're getting soft. Well, there's a lot of people out there that say society's soft today. Maybe it's translating into sports too. Have they gone that far yet? Has anyone brought that up? 
Did anyone start complaining about that? Could I be the first? Could I, could I start the trend? No, I couldn't because basketball has been doing that LeBron James' entire career. So, what the Wild need is they need one of these goalies to figure it out. Really, at this point, don't care which one. They can sit down and talk about who would rather figure it out. But one of them has to. If they don't, it's going to be a complete debacle. And they need some consistent defensive play. This team hasn't had to worry as much about the defense this year just simply because of the scoring threat that they are night in, night out. But the power play has gone back to not scoring. We're having a tough time killing power plays. God forbid we win a face-off in our own zone. I mean, we have a hard time winning a face-off, period. When you look at some of the numbers for the Wild, their, their power play percentage right now is just over 19. That's 19th in the NHL, which I'm sure a lot of you would agree with me watching this team. It feels like they are never going to score on the power play and maybe it just feels that way because their last in their last 10 games they're 2-8 they're and, and we lost to a terrible Buffalo team now Dallas is they're a solid team we shouldn't lose to them at home so those last two losses sting a little bit more after the Philly game a game in which you know, they took care of business. A little closer than what we may have needed it, but we took care of business. You know, you start to think, hey, maybe we're out of this funk. We're rising from the ashes. But then you go into Buffalo, you lose. And what some is calling a heartbreaker, I, I, quite frankly, it's an embarrassment. You shouldn't lose to that team doesn't matter that it's in Buffalo. There's no one there. Then you get absolutely spanked against Dallas, a team that really, I mean, so many storylines with that game. You have Suter. You have two teams that don't like each other. Plenty of plenty of reasons to be excited. And, and from what it sounds like, now I wasn't at the game, but it sounds like the beginning of that game, the fans were really into it. They were loving it, man. Suter turns that puck over. Almost like he forgot what team he was on. He was thinking, oh, yeah. That's right. I play for the team that stole the North Stars. Not the team that wanted to be them. Shoot. He tried to help. The Wild actually played a lot better without a goalie at all that game. Scored twice. 
Those two empty netters, I mean, okay, fine. 2-2, two, two, though. The penalty kill has been very bad this season as well. Killing penalties at about a 76% rate. That's 24th in the NHL. So right there, and just the special teams aspect. The Wild are, are in the, the latter half, if you will. The bottom half. Worse than half the teams in the league. Face-off percentage. They win 47.2% of face-offs. That's worse than flipping a coin. You don't have to be some crazy statistician to know that. You have a better chance. If I said right now, pick heads or tails, and you pick tails, you have a better chance of me flipping a coin right here and getting that right than we do winning a face-off. Think about that. I know that doesn't seem like a huge part of the game, but think about it. If over half the time, you don't even get to start with the puck. You're kicking off half the time. More than. Putting the ball away. More than. But still, this team continues to put up points. They find a way to get it done five on five, and a lot of that has to do with Kaprizov. In his last five games, he's got eight points, five goals. Fiala's got five assists in the last game. He's been playing pretty well. But what's scary is, is the fact that the schedule for these guys, the whole going out east and getting to play uh, Philly and then, then Buffalo was was to get a couple wins. Now we're, we're hitting that stretch with the Wild. We talked about it last week. We have a ton of home games here in March. Um, obviously the night going on right now. They're playing the Rangers. After that, the Rangers, by the way, very good team. Come into St. Paul 36-15-5. A team in the East that a lot of people are pretty high on. They've had tremendous goaltending. They too, awful at face-offs, so something's got to give there. Someone's going to get above that 50% tonight. But I'm gonna I'm gonna sound a little bit like John Mann here, and I'm gonna tell you that for the Wild to win, they're gonna have to score more than the Rangers, and the Rangers do a really good job of not letting teams score. The Rangers this season are second in goals against per game. The Wild, third 
and goals for per game. We get to see tonight how that shakes out. An elite offense against an elite defense. Now we've seen how a lot of these end up shaking out, but hopefully tonight's in our favor. It doesn't get a lot easier after that. We have have a little road or uh, Detroit come. Excuse me, a road trip to Detroit. My mistake. Not a very good team. Thursday night they'll be playing in Detroit. Good chance for a win, but who knows? Then they head off to Columbus. They'll be playing the Blue Jackets Friday night, six o'clock. And then they head back home here on Sunday, playing a Sunday night game against Nashville. And Nashville's been struggling a little bit here as of late. They're four and six in their last ten games, but that all of a sudden now that's a really big game. A huge game all, all of a sudden. Two weeks ago, I would have said it, it'll matter, but it's not going to be crazy. You know, if we can steal a point, that would be great. But we have to play Nashville two more times this year. It's going to be tough. That's a team that the Wild haven't beat yet. Granted, they've only played them one time. So sorry, that they need to play them three more times. I guess I was counting Sunday's game in this, but they haven't played each other since October, which feels, feels like ages ago at this point. Nashville came out on top 5-2. to two. We don't need a repeat of that. So hopefully the Wild uh, can pull off this one tonight. They did beat the Rangers earlier this season, just, uh, well, quite a few weeks ago now. I guess February is such a short month. Kind of flew by. Um, but they last played the Rangers back on January 28th. Won in a very close game, 3-2, to two, but very big win. That was when things were clicking and everything seemed right in the world. We're in a very, very different place now with this team. A very scary place with this team. One of the things the Wild this year, and I, I think the Jets kind of figured it out, is we mentioned earlier, they're, they're not that big of a team there. They're more speed and skill, which is a ton of fun to watch be quite honest, I'd rather watch that than the defensive-led wild teams of the past. But we do need need some big bodies out there, though, too. We, we've kind of seen the evolution here with Dean um, really going away from some of those big bodies and, and getting more skilled players, which we hadn't seen before. Before, it was more of the big bodies where we're going to wear you out. 
we not we might not beat you to the puck, but we'll uh we'll hit you. Losing another big body, Jordan Greenway, who was just placed on the IR. Matt Dumba coming off. Hopefully Dumba can stay healthy. He's a guy that we need back. And not that Greenway is a prolific scorer by any means, but it's another big body out there that the Wild could use. So again, ladies and gentlemen, the seatbelt sign is on. We are in free fall. Don't bother grabbing the oxygen mask. It's not going to matter. We're either going to make it out of this thing alive or we're all going down. I don't know yet. We're just going to have to wait and see. What I do know is that the Timberwolves the pups are on absolute fire. Winners of five in a row. Cat is just doing whatever he wants to right now. He was NBA player of the week last week. Best big man in the game, at least in this, this last five-game stretch, the last few weeks. Pretty much ever since that 76ers game. I mean, he's he has dominated. He has put the team on his back and said, let's go, boys. Giddy up. They beat the Trailblazers last night, which, I mean, wasn't even close. From the first tip on, it was just... It was Rip City, man. Rip City at the Target Center. 61 to 34 at half. Pack it up. Go home. We know how this one ends. The Wolves 124. The Portland Trailblazers 81. 81. Oof. Duh. That's Minnesotan for not too good. Carl last night 27 points. 13 rebounds. In a uh, a game where he only played 24 minutes. Saw the bench doing good things. Naj Reed had a nice night. Beasley didn't headbutt anybody. That's a big, big thing. Patrick Beverly at 10 rebounds, 7 assists. He was all over the court. He had a block that night as well. That was uh, pretty impressive. That guy just... When the, when the Wolves said that they are going to sign Pat Beverly, you know, it was exciting because it's, it's a name that you recognize, and it's like, okay, you know, that's, that's cool, but... It was like, what are we really getting with Pat Beth? You know, like, what? where are we at with him now? I tell you where we're at. The city has fallen in love with that guy. 
man, he just plays his heart out every game. When you hear about leaving it all out on the field, on the court, on the rink, that guy does it. He's everywhere, man. He's exciting. Gets the people going. Ant and D'Lo were out last night against Portland. Didn't matter. Good night for them to both be out. The Pups going into Monday night were 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. They'll move to 8-2 now. And really the only thing that is kind of a bummer is that every team I have them keeps on winning too. We've been chasing down the Nuggets now for a month and a half. We're getting closer. Right, we were really slipping away before. But now two games back, it, it's felt like we've been two games back for forever. Only three behind Dallas. Utah's probably out of the picture now, but there's still a chance there. During this stretch, they've all but basically solidified themselves as, as going to make the playoffs. We've established that before. Not that that means anything around here. I mean, we did the same thing with the Wild, and look how that turned out. But a week ago, it was, it was getting a little scary with the uh, with the Wolves. We weren't shooting. I said, we. I'm not on the team. The Wolves were not shooting, not shooting well. Had a hard time really hitting any buckets. And, you know, I had guys headbutting other guys. Giving up points all over the place. Now, a week later, we got the best big man in the league. can't lose no one can hold us under 120 the Wolves right now uh, in basketball when looking at points scored per game are tied for the most in all of the NBA with, I'll give you one guess. That's right, I bet you all guessed this one, the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah. Averaging 114.3 points a game. But this Wolves team has really kind of bought back a lot of fans that I think have kind of been by the wayside. Even throughout this year, D'Lo getting mad at fans and telling them they need to stand up. Well, apparently everyone's standing now until they score a bucket. Good for you guys, I guess. Hope the price for tickets is a little less because you're not using the seat the whole game, but hey. That's between, between you and the, the ticket sales. They have people bought back in. It's guys like Pat Beth. It's Carl putting the team on his back. 
And we know Ant's been hurt, and it was pretty obvious he's been dealing with something. You could just tell in his jumper. I mean, there are a lot of shots that he had where, I mean, the ball was just flat. Not a lot of arc. Not as much explosiveness out of him as we've really been treated to through his two years, first two years here. To get him back healthy, D'Lo is healthy. Cat continues to play at this extremely high level. Is it going to continue forever? No. No, unfortunately not. But I do think this is a glimpse, and, and this is really showing why you can't sleep on the pups, babe. This isn't just some rollover team anymore. Again, last week we talked about how we need to have the expectation of this team being a playoff team year in, year out. Because that's where, that's where they're at. They have the talent for it. It's all right there. We have a great bench. We have a big man that can shoot. Let's clean up the glass tonight. Well, I would like to see him you know, play a little better against some of the league's other big guys, but the production you're getting out of Cat right now is second to none. This is a fun team right now. It's a lot of fun. They're entertained to watch. They're giving you all they got. Defense can still improve, but you know sometimes your best defense is your offense. We're seeing that with the Wolves right now. And when they're hot, they're hot. You got guys that can come off the bench like uh, Malik Beasley. You can just score. He's kind of a streaky shooter, right? But I mean, when he's on, it doesn't matter where. He's pulling up from. It's splashing every time. We'll continue to see how things go for our uh, T-Pups. They're going to be taking on uh, the Thunder here tomorrow night, trying to extend that winning streak to six games. The Thunder are coming to town. team that the Wolves just saw not too long ago and pounded on down in OKC. Carl had another great night against them. So I anticipate that they'll get to six in a row. I don't want to be the jinx. Of course not. But I really don't see why they wouldn't get to it. I don't see how they don't beat beat this OKC team uh, tomorrow night. Especially at home. The Wolves have been really good at home this year. 20-12. and 12. That's a really good spot to be at. 
before we get a chance to talk again next Tuesday. Wolves got several games they'll be playing, uh, starting with, again, tomorrow night, hosting the Thunder. Then they're off to Orlando. They make a little, little spring break run this weekend down to Florida, taking on the Magic, another team they should beat. Now you're at seven wins in a row going into a Saturday night game down in Miami against Jimmy in the Heat. That is going to be a tough game. That's going to be a really fun one to watch. I'll definitely be tuning in on Saturday to check that one out. A great test for the Wolves, one of the top teams in the in the East. See how they stack up. Do I expect them to win? No. Do I expect them to, to compete? Oh, yeah. Best believe that. And then before we do talk again, they'll play uh, Monday night against the Spurs. And they're not playing next Tuesday. So really, if you're a Wolves fan, you have no excuse not to listen to us on Tuesday, 7 o'clock. Right here on 365 Sportscasting. And I know we're starting to run a little short on time, but I, I wanted to bring something up with the Vikings before we sign off, before the music plays, and i got to get out of here. I saw somebody. I don't remember who it was. I should have looked it up before we started this. Um, but someone had tweeted out the uh, Vegas odds on Russell West, Westbrook, still thinking basketball. Russell Wilson. And being the starting QB for the Vikings next year. And I swear to God, whoever did that is just trying to stir the pot up here. It was something like 500 to 1. I'm so just over anyone that says that Kirk Cousins is not going to be the starting quarterback next year. If you continue to say that, I I truly believe you don't you don't watch the Vikes. You don't live and breathe it Sundays. You don't spend time in the offseason seeing what's going on. You don't you don't tune in ever. Kirk Cousins is and was always going to be the starting quarterback for the 2022 Minnesota Vikings. From the time he signed his name on the dotted line of that guaranteed deal until that thing's done, whether it's extended or not, he is going to be the starting quarterback here. Have you seen what some of these quarterbacks are going for right now? Not high-valued names. Going for high-value picks? High-valued trade stocks, really? There's a guy that tweeted at us this week that had said, uh, well, you got to sell high. For what? For what? For for a first-round pick? In a draft where you're slotted at number 12 and you're basically going to have your decision made for you before it even gets to you? 
You're going to take one of two cornerbacks? You should anyway. And if you don't take one of those two cornerbacks, you're really just... Just... I, I just... I, I, I can't even think of the right words to say what you are that isn't going to one, offend a bunch of people and two, get me kicked off the air I don't know how you can possibly live in this town and honestly believe that Kirk Cousins is the biggest issue on the Vikings and if you think that and if you're out there stirring the pot you're probably a Packer fan. Or you're one of these crazy people that just live in town and because everyone likes the Vikings, you decide you don't want to. It's one or the other. Sure, Kirk could play better in big moments, and Kurt has his moments, all right? I admit all that. Is he the greatest quarterback in the league? Not even close. Is, the, is he the best quarterback we've had in a long, long time? Yeah, by far. By far, outside of Brett Favre in 2009, over a decade ago now. Think about that for a sec, would you? Over a decade ago? Yeah, he's the best quarterback we've had in town. The real issue with these Vikings, the number one issue, is their defense. Open your eyes. See that. And I tell you what, if they don't re-sign Patrick Peterson, I, we're going to go to Detroit on the whole bit. We're going to have the first pick next year if they don't re-sign him. What's that secondary going to do? They're going to be screwed. They're not going to have anyone back there to cover anybody. I could go on for a while with this. But I cannot stay. Thank you all for tuning in again this week to Triple Play Tuesdays. My name's Shane Moore. We enjoy having all of you listen in from all over. We've had listeners from Texas, New York, all across the country, this great, great country. Mostly you people in Minnesota. Thank you all. Follow us on Twitter at Triple Tuesdays. Send us an email. Say hi. TriplePlayTuesdays at gmail.com. Until next week, everybody, keep your eyes on your own bobber and listen for the rattle.